Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens and My Time Capsule is the podcast where I ask my guest to tell me the five things from their life that they'd like to put in a time capsule. They choose four things that they cherish and want to keep safe, but they also pick one thing they'd like to get rid of from their life. Something they want to bury in the ground and never think of again. My guest in this episode, episode 202 of My Time Capsule, is the actor Tim Downey, who's probably best known for being brilliant in Toast of London with Matt Berry. He's in the huge drama and worldwide smash hit Outlander. He's in Upstart Crow with David Mitchell, written by Ben Elton, and the films Paddington and The King's Speech. But Tim started on CBBC in a show called Out of Tune with James Corden, before landing the role of Sam Smallwood in Hollyoaks. He then joined the cast of the BBC's long-running series Doctors, appearing in 112 episodes. He was in The Legend of Dick and Dom, BBC Four's Micro Men with Martin Freeman and Alexander Armstrong, The Royal Bodyguard with David Jason, Sir David Jason, sorry, This is Ginzy, a sketch show on Sky Atlantic, The Cricklewood Greats with Peter Capaldi, Peep Show, Miranda, Skins, Hoff the Record with David Hasselhoff, Plebs, Young Hyacinth, Count Arthur Strong and Hapless, the second series of which will be on Netflix very soon, with me as Tim's dad. And people ask me how I get all my guests. Well, compromising photographs and blackmail, obviously. Tim will also be seen in the second series of Good Omens, with David Tennant and Michael Sheen, and is currently filming Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose, with Simon Pegg and Minnie Driver. Tim has been in the films Les Miserables, War Machine opposite Brad Pitt, Transformers The Last Night and Horrible Histories The Movie, Rotten Romans. Amazingly, with a CV like that and a young family, he still found the time to tell me the five things from his life that he would put in a time capsule. I hope you enjoy listening to the delightful Tim Downey. Is that the famous Tim Downey? Oh, oh my goodness me, yes it is. Is that the equally famous Michael Fenton-Stevens? I think it is. No, no, I'm his dad. Oh, <laughs> sorry, my mistake. How are you, all right? Yeah, very well, very well. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm all right. It's a lovely sunny day. You've dressed very well for the summer. I have literally dressed in a jumper yet again. I brought one down, look. Good. And, and I thought, no. Don't need it. Don't need it. Don't need it. Don't be an idiot. And now I'm sat here uh, thinking, oh God, how am I going to get this jumper off? It all goes wrong. <laughs> So are you able to do a a recording at your end for me, do you think? I've done it before on, like, a voice memo. Yeah, that would be great. Marvellous. Well, I'll start it now. So there we go. 
that's it. So everything now is we've got evidence. We've got evidence. I've got evidence of uh, whatever crime we are about to commit. <laughs> <laughs> so how's the film going? Very well. Yes, very good. We've been up in Leeds, which has been really lovely. We've been amazingly lucky with the weather. It's been really sunny and glorious. We were shooting in this churchyard just outside of uh, Harrogate on the Harewood estate. And it, I mean, it was literally the most glorious sort of place you could be. The bluebells were just out in force and it was idyllic. It was absolutely lovely. Apart from the fact we were then shooting a funeral by the by. But, um, <laughs> but apart from that, it was absolutely, yeah, it was really, really lovely. You see, people say this job's easy. <laughs> Goodness me. I don't see the joy. They don't know. They don't, they don't know what we go oh, through. Oh, no idea. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose we ought to say that I've just finished playing your dad. Yes, you have. Yes. And, and beautifully, if I may, if I, if I may say. No, it's been it's been a glorious time. We've had a lovely sort of two months, I think, on, on and off. Yeah. It's been really good fun. I think it's going to be really funny. Yeah, it looks really funny, really good. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. It's difficult to judge it when it's it's you. You're in it all the time. You're in every scene almost, aren't you? Absolutely. And it's like one of those things they say, you know, you never let a, an actor in the edit because automatically you'll go, oh, no, no, need a bit more of me there. Need a, I think there's a bit more of me needed there. You think, just leave, just leave. You don't need to be here. Stop it. There are other people in this. <laughs> but you would be there going, is there a little less of me? <laughs> exactly. I'm sure we could cut away quick. We don't need that bit of me. We just need to focus on, <laughs> focus on Mike for the entirety of it. That's fine. Well, I hope people enjoy it. Anyway, we are here to talk about five things from your life that you've chosen to put into a time capsule. Yes. There are four things that you love <laughs> and one thing that you'd like to get rid of. Yes. So shall we start with number yes. one? Yes. Let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, so I mean, I, I have thought long and hard about this, and you kind of <laughs> minutes must have minutes, been minutes, minutes, the, <laughs> the fifteen minutes though. Like, oh no, we're doing it! I better quickly think about it. Of what could what could go in, and what would be the best things, and what would you like to be remembered for if they suddenly find it, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think I've, I think I've settled on some on some rather good ones. I think great time will tell. So the the first one is a picture, and it's called the Piper of Dreams. And it's painted by a woman called uh, Estella Canziani. It's painted in 1914. Mm. And uh, doing a little bit of research on it, I had no idea. But it was a very, very popular picture during the Great War. And you'll, you'll see why. Obviously, for the medium of podcast, but for you, for your eyes, I will, I will show you it. And you'll see why. I will describe it as well. Okay. And it's uh, a picture of a boy seated in a woodland glade. And all around him are a sort of dancing spirits and the Fae, and uh, I think even on, on some versions of it, because there was a huge print run during the time of the Great War. Sometimes they'd have like little devils or little sprites or little little bits and pieces all sort of dotted around it. And the story behind it is before I was born, uh, my dad used to do house clearances when, when he was a, a, a young man. Mm -hmm. And he had this one job where he had to go up to Halifax Granted, we live sort of near Luton. It was no short drive to drive to Halifax. No. Anyway, he went into this old couple's house. And I think they had something to do with Halifax FC. Can't remember what it was exactly, but there was some, there was some connection. Mm. And he was going around sorting through the things about what they could take. And in the corner of this one particular room was this dusty old picture and he wiped it down. And he said, oh, that's, that's really nice. I, I quite like that. And they said, well, if you want it, you can have it. So we went, oh, okay, great. I'll, I'll, I'll take it back. My wife is expecting our first child. Might be quite nice for the nursery. Mm -hmm. So we brought the picture back and cleaned it off and hung it in my bedroom. And it was just one of those things that was always kind of there, always a constant, you know, it was one of those pictures you kind of glance at, you know, you recognize it's just kind of in your subconscious. Mm. And then over the years, obviously it gets taken down and put in a cupboard and forgotten about as these things often are. When you wanted to put up Nirvana posters. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And the, all, all those uh, Athena posters that I was so keen on <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, the tennis player scratching her ass. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so then it came the time where I was moving out of my house. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I need, I need some pictures. Oh, I'll take that picture because that was, you know, that'll be fun. I'll put that in the hall or something. That'll be mm. fine. And yeah, again, you kind of think nothing of it. Until the day my now wife, when we were very first dating, came round to my flat. And we were in the flat and she's just kind of looking around as you do. And, she's, and she sees this picture on the wall and says, why do you have that? 
<laughs> I said, oh, you know, and very similar stories I've said to you. Oh, my, my dad got it up in Halifax and I've had it for years and years and used to hang over my cot. She went, wow, I had the exact same picture hanging over my cot when I was a baby. Oh, my God. That same thing. And now both my daughters, we got little prints for them to hang over their beds as well. <laughs> so we carry on the strange and bizarre tradition of the Piper of Dreams. And I'll, I'll, I'll quickly show you. You may, Yeah, I'd love to. You may recognise it. You may, you may recognise it. But that is the actual... This is the oh, actual right. picture. So a little boy sitting at the base of a tree exactly. with a hat on, feather sticking out of it, playing a pipe. Surrounded by little fairies and creatures and things, yeah. I don't recognise it, actually, Tim, no. Oh. I've never seen it before, no. Well, this is quite obsessing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, Why were you hoping it was worth money? I doubt that highly. As I say, you know, they printed off so many of these things during, like, 1914 to 1918. I wonder why it was so popular then, during the Great War. Do you know why? I think it was because of the... I mean, what a wonderful topic to, to drift onto, but because of the volume of death and destruction... Mm-hmm. And then that rise of spiritualism at that period, I think something like this kind of fed into that whole idea. There was so much loss and yeah. devastation. Mm-hmm. The simplicity of ye olde England of sitting down. I think Edward Thomas writes a lot about it as well. Is that idea of if you're far away in a foreign land, you will never see your country again. You will never see the rolling hills. You will never see all these great things. And I think this picture kind of tapped into that psyche of you, if you're sitting in a trench in Flanders, mm. this would remind you of home and that maybe there is something beyond what you are seeing around you, the kind of hell that you are literally put yourself in. And also a sense of there being an afterlife, another spirit that you may go on. Absolutely. And I think that's probably why it was as popular as it was. And I remember um, and then I can remember, I've actually seen the original painting. It was on this exhibition at the Royal Academy or something like that of Victorian fantasy artists. Mm. And there was a lot of them. There was an absolute glut of this style of painting for many, many years. And I remember seeing the original and it was quite sort of arresting because I've only ever seen it in small rooms or bedrooms or things like that. And suddenly you're seeing it on a massive wall. Oh, right. How large is it? It's not much bigger than what I've shown you there. Maybe about the mm. size of the frame. So what's that? So maybe like a foot wide by a foot right. and a half tall. I mean, not very big at all. And she was very famous for painting all these kind of things of water sprites. And completely forgotten as an artist. Yeah, totally forgotten. Or you'd kind of see it on top of a biscuit tin or something mm. like that, you know, reproduced, but you would never know who painted it or anything about the particular background of it. Um, no. Do you paint at all? I don't. I would absolutely love to. My father painted. He went to art school and was a really good painter. He used to do a lot of watercolours. Mm. And I was always insanely jealous of that and was, would really kind of hope that that would have passed down. Yeah. But I can barely draw. I can barely trace. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I find that an absolute struggle. But I would dearly love to have that. That form of expression, just be able to sit down and doodle. I remember just, you know, yeah. you see people on the tube just kind of sketching and drawing all those people you kind of walk past on Tower Bridge, just kind of painting. A couple of lines, nothing. Yeah. And there it is. I know. It's really annoying, isn't it? My dad could do the same thing. Oh. It could just catch people's faces with a few lines. I would absolutely adore to. I just think, you know, writing and doing what we do is one form of expression, but just to do something that's sort of in, in, innately personal and private, it's just a painting and something yeah. you can kind of hang on a wall and it'd be there for years. I would, I would love to. Sadly, no. it's, uh, it's absolutely eluded me. So what did your father do then if he could paint like that? I mean, he went to art school, but what did he end up doing? Um, he ended up ignoring all of it, which again mm. was an absolute injustice, I think. Yeah. And went into the family business and they had, they had a, a building company. Mm. Um, so he trained as a surveyor. So he was the surveyor of the family business. Yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of doodled for years and years and kind of drifted in and out and things like that. But he, he never really, which is what I've always found very strange because he was incredibly good and just ignored it. Just doesn't see it as an outlet, doesn't see it as anything like that, which I always found sort of like, then why do you have the skill and I don't? And you ignore it. Yeah. How weird. Yeah, I, My dad did one painting that I know of, and my brother has it, my older brother, and it's of an orchard with sheep grazing in the bottom of it, and it's, it's just little blobs of paint, but it's clearly an orchard with sheep, and he did it during the war, yeah. when he was uh, in that period when everybody was sitting around doing nothing, mm. and he never painted another painting, and it's really, really good. Oh, that's wonderful. But it's annoying, isn't it, that he could paint in oil? Oh. That's really difficult. 
That is incredibly difficult. The skill of that. I wonder why just just one. Maybe you thought that's it. Similar to my dad, kind of never picking it up again. He's a kind of a war child as well, born in the forties. Maybe it was seen as frivolous or something. Yeah. Why are you just sitting here painting, frittering away your time? Well, I suppose so that we could all fritter away our time by becoming actors. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, also during COVID, I think we were actively encouraged to almost fritter away our time as we sort of sat in our homes watching Netflix, waiting for the, you know, incoming apocalypse. Well, that's a lovely picture. It's a lovely thought that it's above your own children's bed now. Yeah. So we should take that watercolour print. Yes. Piper of Dreams. It's the Piper of Dreams. And we should put it into the time capsule. It's your first item, Tim. Fabulous. Thank you. Great. I'm glad it's made it in. (laughs) I'm not the arbiter of these things, you know. It's (laughs) up to you. And when your wife said to you, I had that, did you think, this is the woman for me? I did. You'd certainly get those little kind of flutterings of, I think this is fate. I think something uh-huh. because I've never I've never known anyone to have it or mention it or talk about it. I've only ever seen it that time in that exhibition at the Royal Academy. And that's the only time I just thought it was just a random sort of a print mm. that my dad picked up in a house clearance in Halifax. And that was it. And it would never make an appearance again. And yet there it does. And that's such a sort of pivotal life moment. Did she also have the swastika? She did. She was very keen on that, much like we all are. Um, so, so that was uh, <laughs> no that's our little group we're not supposed to talk about that too absolutely that's the whatsapp group that we, uh, that we don't talk about <laughs> brilliant okay uh let's move on to item number two okay so item number two um is quite a random one but i yeah i love it so it, it basically in about the mid 90s or something like that i remember going on just a random night out random night out with your mates I think we were going into town around sort of Leicester Square. And this particular night happened to be St. Patrick's Day. So we were going into pubs and bars and everyone was celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And one thing that everyone was sort of like giving out or they were just kind of left around was a small black Guinness branded harmonica. Which you have. Which I have right here. And you kind of mess around with it for a bit and you put it in your pocket and you assume you have lost it. Mm. You assume that was its lifespan. It will never darken anyone's door ever again. And it's confined <laughs> to the bin of history yeah. and on you go. And yet for some unknown reason, this harmonica has then traveled from about probably 1997 all the way through to today. And it's not like I have deliberately wanted to keep this Guinness-branded, probably completely out-of-tune harmonica for any real reason. It's just one of those things that I've put in a drawer. It's survived all the clear-outs and all the decluttering that you may have had. I've either just missed it or just kind of picked it up and thought, well, it's a musical instrument, so maybe... I shouldn't just discard a musical instrument. Maybe I should keep it. Maybe it's got more of more of worth. And also there's a part of me that thinks, God, I'd love to play the harmonica. It seems so <laughs> simple. Yeah. That, that's it. That's basically all I can do. And I know you can do it on the in-breath. And that is probably horribly, horribly out of tune as well. I have no, <laughs> no idea. Totally tone deaf. But there we are. And the secondary life has come in that my youngest daughter then discovered it a few years ago, and now it lives in the car. And every morning, Mike, (laughs) every morning, I am greeted with... (laughs) on the way to school. Every morning. It's like it arrived in my life 30 years too early. It's almost as if she knows how annoying you'd find that. Oh, God. God, and I mean, I don't, I'm not quiet about it, Mike. I'm not quiet. There's a lot of, please put that down. Please don't do that. I will crash. I will crash. And then you see how, see how that happens. But I mean, I just don't know. I mean, I can't think of another item that has traveled with me for so long. That isn't a very deliberate thing, like a book Mm. or like the picture, for instance. You know, that's a very deliberate thing you choose to keep that has weight and history and meaning. This has no meaning whatsoever. (laughs) This was literally picked up in like, you know, a waxy O'Connor off Leicester Square. And yet it's now become sort of like an absolute stalwart of the house. Like it's always here. I can't get rid of it. It must be cursed. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe you know, it should go into a time capsule. Maybe then I will be rid of the Guinness-branded black harmonica from St. Patrick's Day 1997. Who knows? It will probably find it like a Ouija board, find its way back on my desk. You burn it, you put it in an explosive device, you put it into the dustbin, it's always back the next morning. Yeah, 
glittering just there, mm. right in the middle of the breakfast table. There <laughs> it is. Wait. You just hear this little. <laughs> gonna haunt me in the middle of the night. What? <laughs> that, that is that the Guinness harmonica again? Now, have you ever considered that actually Guinness things, rare Guinness things, are incredibly collectible? So it might be worth some money. See, I'd never even thought of that. I had never even thought. I think it's the annoyancy level. I'm going to Google this and eBay it as soon as this is done. <laughs> and if I suddenly see there are none left in the world because they are so expendable on that particular St. Patrick's Day, then my view will change. My yes. view of a cursed harmonica will suddenly disappear. You're going to have to replace it, though. You can't deny your child the opportunity to become Stevie Wonder, as it were. Absolutely. I mean... <laughs> I don't mean blind. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the curse of the harmonica again. <laughs> See? I'm going to get you. But I just don't know how it's still here. It just no. absolutely baffles me. And the fact that I found it. This... <laughs> Yes. Like, you know, I didn't kind of actively go, I have no idea where to begin and where can I find it. I literally kind of went to the car and there it was. Just there. Yeah. You go, <laughs> how has this survived? Kind of wandering into school in kids' pockets. And then it comes back. There are things, Mike, that they have taken in that I will never see again. Shoes, <laughs> coats, hats. I mean, <laughs> things you actually need. This, on the other hand, just refuses refuses to die ever present in your life ever present i'll be buried with this you wait well i'm interested to know what ebay say about that because i did have some guinness ephemera yeah because long long time ago i did a campaign for guinness we had an opening night where we launched the adverts and loads of famous people were invited and they threw a great big party mm. and they had all these bottles of guinness that said to celebrate the launch of friends of the guinness we were called and, of course, everybody just opened them and drank the beer. And I put one in my bag. A neighbour of mine said, I, I collect Guinness stuff. And he said, he showed me all his stuff. I went, oh, nice. I said, I've got one in a cupboard somewhere. So I showed him this bottle. He went, never seen that before. I said, no, it was a one-off for a party. I said, you want it? He said, OK. And I saw him about a week later. And I said, does it look good in the collection? He said, no, I sold it. Got a grand for it. <gasps> oh, he must have given you something for that. Nothing. Right? Nothing at all. No. Nothing just went, at all. See you soon, Mike. Bye. You have a lovely day. <laughs> take, take care of yourself. Oh. Yeah. And he thinks it was a cat that used to crap on his lawn. <laughs> that was some big cat. I thought it was a panther. <laughs> By the sheer scale of it. We don't live close to Bodmin. I don't think this is a panther. <laughs> no, no. All right. So we put the harmonica Brilliant. into the time capsule. That's number two. Fantastic. Okay. Moving on. So number three is a book. And this, you know, I suppose similar, there's a similar sort of theme going on of things that have kind of travelled with you through the mists of time and how they get there, who knows. So this, it's a book that was sat on my parents' bookshelves for years and years and years. And it was always one that when you're a kid, you kind of, you know, you pull out the ones on the lower level and just kind of opening up. And apart from the ones I used to draw in as a kid, which was incredibly annoying and still <laughs> annoys me to this day, yes. so I even did that. This one I remember pulling out, and it's almost like not even a book. It's more like a kind of very thick magazine. Mm. And it's called The Reader's Digest, Folklore, Myths and Legends of Britain. Marvellous. And it's an absolutely extraordinary book. And it's probably the one book that I can just go back to again and again and again and again and again. It's extraordinary. It was published in the, in the 70s, sort of like the mid-ish, early 70s, just when sort of folk horror and things like that were quite a thing in the 70s with the kind with all those adverts for uh, you know those public service ones the one that Donald Pleasance did you know the sort of oh, the, yeah. the spirit of dark and lonely water don't go down by the river for the dark and lonely water is there and you know a <laughs> kid kind of running down or running in between pylons do you remember those you oh, know yeah. don't climb on pylons or and you're someone will get like you know Terry! And they get electrocuted and kind of lay in a field and things like that. Don't bang my pylons. And very sort of warning you off. Fairly up front, though. Very up front. There was absolutely yes. no grey areas on this. Don't point a gun at your head and pull the trigger. Public service. <laughs> Thank you for your help. Thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that out. That's very good. And, of course, playing on train lines, which was always the rage in, the, I'd say, the late 70s, early 80s. I was like, what we were all doing was playing on, playing on train lines. Yeah. Um, but this book, and apparently the Reader's Digest, they published this like once, did a massive print run, and then never printed it again. So they're actually very difficult to get hold of. 
and you can find them. I mean, this particular one, I don't have the original one that my parents had, but this I actually picked up in like a village fate on the Isle of Wight, really randomly. And it was obviously they've been clearing out the old people's homes. So it was kind of sandwiched in between the, you know, the Dick Francis and the Maeve Binchies. And I saw it. I went, oh, my God, I have to buy it. How, how much? How much will you take for this? I'll take 50p. You're on. <laughs> and it's just the most extraordinary thing. It's basically all the kind of myths and legends that you can pack onto a page. I mean, literally, it's absolutely thick with just stories of each town or village split into regions as to what hauntings or local folklore that may have happened in these little areas. Just little details and tidbits of little bits you can then kind of follow off and drift down rabbit holes with. Well, who would have known there were that many? Honestly, there's like 500 and something odd pages. I mean, it's just extraordinary from just, oh, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just got everything from festivals like flower festivals, ones that are still done today. You know, the stories of Lincoln, the story of the Lincoln Imp, things like that. What's the Lincoln Imp? The Lincoln Imp. Well, that's, you know, the little symbol on the Lincoln football badge. Oh, yeah. It's the symbol of the Lincoln Imp, and it's in the cathedral. And apparently there's some sort of big folklore legend about this imp that obviously either comes and wreaks havoc or helps you. And Mm. then it was immortalised in Lincoln Cathedral and now has made it onto their insignia. How extraordinary. Well, I'm looking forward to the really TV version of Tim Downey's Myths and Legends coming out next year. It's going to be massive. That's got a ring and a half to it. Let me tell you, and there's plenty there. Goodness me, there's enough going for at least, I don't know, eight, nine series. Easy, <laughs> easy, if I'm pushed. Um, but yeah, along with that, I think it was the uh, the Usborne Book of Ghosts and the Ladybird as well, the Ladybird books, a horror series of sort of like horror classics, but in Ladybird speak. So you have yes. Dracula and Frankenstein and things like that. And I was terrified of these as a kid i used to kind of hide them under clothes i was so terrified of even just the cover was just enough to oh but for some reason it was always very enchanting and very sort of oh okay yes i'm going to delve into this i mean i grew up in a village so i think a lot of that is you kind of look around a village especially in winter and just think god there's just there's no difference between land and sky it's just this kind of gray mud that kind of just goes all the way up as far as you can see. And I think then as soon as you start putting folklore or myth or something a bit mystical on Mm. top of that, it makes the whole kind of place come alive. And you think, wow, because where I grew up is a little village called Shillington. And we have a very famous, I say famous, you know, eight people know it, uh, a famous story of the Shillington goblins, which I found absolutely fascinating. And the fact that you can kind of go and see where this little goblin dance happened during the time of Oliver Cromwell. And it's Mm. now a housing estate. And I always had this vision of going, wow, these people don't realise that maybe in their (laughs) living room one morning, they'll wake up and find a goblin dancing (laughs) all over their chairs and sofas. But I found that fascinating. I think it just made living where I live, which was desperately dull, that little bit more interesting. And suddenly it became magical rather than just mundane. Well, I think most children's lives are full of dullness. And so you're always looking for something in your own head, aren't you, that enlivens it? Very, very much. And this little kind of book that you then suddenly lands in your lap, you kind of think, wow, yeah, let's go and explore. Let's see what's beyond the garden hedge. Let's see what's under the garden hedge. Let's go and see what magic there is. And uh, and it's just, it stayed with me constantly. And I think it probably is the one book that has really just informed probably everything else that I kind of like or enjoy or just my kind of general aesthetic or the things I will then go on to read or wish to work on and all these all these kind of things. And I think it all boils down to uh, Reader's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> so it must have been a joy to be doing Good Omens. Oh, it was wonderful. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah, because that exactly that. It just taps into exactly what I like. Myths, legends, a little bit of comedy and oddness and things like that. I think, yes, wonderful. Yeah, what perfect. a glorious thing. Yes. And Reader's Digest, that sort of thing, and those little penguin books, I suppose they would have been subscription books. So you used to sign up through the Reader's Digest magazine and they yeah. would supply you with a, a decent hardback book. So you would eventually get a collection of interesting and informative books in your house. And yes. that's for the generation that all moved into all those new houses after the war. I think they all wanted to turn their houses into something that looked a bit more serious, a yeah. bit less empty. Yeah. 
very, very much. And I, I remember as well that they used to have, they used to publish like little, almost like, I think they were called like bedside books. And they'd come in like a little wooden crate, but you, so you'd have like a little selection. It would have sort of, here is the book on how to tend cactuses. Yeah. Here is a book on how to tend houseplants and lots of other different things you would need if you're just exactly as you're saying, you're moving into a new house and you will wish to kind of do certain things and improvements. And mm. here is a little bedside companion you can pour over with your good lady uh, <laughs> of an evening in the home counties and yes. discuss how you're going to uh, really, you know, show off that herbaceous border. <laughs> and she would have books on cookery and how to prepare a dinner party for the boss. All beautifully presented in, mm. in a little wooden cradle. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's class. Yeah. It's not just doctor's waiting rooms. With the digest no more. Oh no! I see what's gone wrong with the world, Tim. Why would it need to change from that? I mean, that's that's glorious. That's a wonderful <laughs> halcyon time. That is. Granted, there were rolling blackouts, so we could only cook with candles. But apart from that, this is the way forward, my friend. Yes, very much so. Well, God bless the Reader's Digest, that's what I say, for managing to entertain you in your little village. Very much. And we shall put Myths and Legends Reader's Digest into the time capsule. Thank you. So we've got two more things to go. We've got one more you want to keep and one you want to get rid of. Okie dokie, time for a quick break and a cup of tea, maybe, while we play you some adverts. We'll be back in next to no time. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to part two of Tim Downey's Time Capsule. Okay, let's find out what else he'd like to put in it. The Time Capsule. Why, what did you think I meant? Great. So the last one that I would like to keep, this is basically what I have now almost every night. It's a new thing. So it's a bit different to the others. This is a new uh, a new thing that's, that's come in that I would really love to keep. Mm. And it's something that if it wasn't kept, one would just forget. And you would hate yourself for forgetting. So you would want it recorded. So in a way, doing this is a record of that very thing. Fantastic. These are the games my kids play at bedtime <laughs> because they are very odd. And I just think it would be lovely to keep them that in however many years, hundreds of years, someone will think, ah, this is what children of the year 2022, after the Great Plague, this is what <laughs> they played. And it'll be, you know, housed at the Folklore Society and people will look at it and go, wow, this is, what what an interesting thing. Uh, They won't realise, in fact, that it was just your children. Exactly. They'll have absolutely no idea. They'll discover this time capsule and assume, well, there's a book of uh, folklore, myths and legends and suddenly these children's games. I mean, this is absolutely extraordinary. I mean, Radio Mm. 4 do this all the time. They plunder... Uh, what kids were doing in the playground in like the 1930s. So I'm, I'm reckoning this is this is up there. Okay, let's hear it. So the first one is uh, a game called Dig, Dig, Dig. And this is where, I don't quite know how this was born, but you, let's, let's see if you enjoy it. So what you, what you do is you bury your child under the duvet and then cover them with pillows and everything. And you then have to excavate them. 
or dig them out of the tomb they are in. And you can only do this by doing little bits. You'll go dig, dig, dig. Oh, a human foot. Look at that. And then giggles. And then dig, dig, dig. Oh, there's a leg there. I wonder what could be buried here. Oh, it's stuck. We've got to get this. We've got to get this thing out, whatever it is. <laughs> Great hilarity. So then you dig all the way up to the head and then you try and drag them out. They get stuck. And then you have to kind of pop them out and go, oh, look, I've unearthed all these human remains. <laughs> and they seem to really enjoy that. I don't know why, because at the moment it's incredibly hot in their rooms and they will they will stay under there. You will walk out the room, come back and go, where are they? Oh, oh we've got to play the dig, dig, dig. Fine. OK, <laughs> we'll do the dig, dig, dig. But for some reason, they they absolutely love it. I don't know why. So are they pretending to be dead? I think they're either pretending to be like uh, fossilised remains of dinosaurs. Fair enough. Or dead. Mm-hmm. I can't. It's it's a grey area. I've tried <laughs> to ask, and they just they just like being sort of unearthed by being dug up bit by bit. Maybe this will be an early career in forensics. For <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I have absolutely no idea. The other one, or the second one, is of uh, second of three, is they enjoy tending the garden which is basically there's a small area of carpet in the upstairs bedroom, which they treat as a garden. So they have like a little broom, a little kind of hoe. There's nothing there. There's not like fake plants. It's just carpet. And they will sweep it almost every night, sweep it, <laughs> tend it, pretend to water it and care for it. And then, and if it's not done, then ooh, that's a bad thing. It's got to be looked after. Now, maybe even as I'm describing this, Maybe this is a, a sort of a COVID thing because we were all stuck in our houses. Mm. And one of the things we did was gardening. And one of the things was digging a lot of earth to plant mm. and unearthing things. So maybe this is a little kind of echo of that time showing up in kids' games. Yes. You've got to look after the garden because that was your focal point. It was our focal point. I say garden very loosely. You know, <laughs> window boxes and little kind of little herb things in order to kind of trick you into thinking you had a garden. But maybe that's, maybe that's got something to do with it. That makes them feel comfortable and relaxed. Yeah. So it feel- takes away the anxiety of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with going oh. to bed. There's like those little kind of kids' rituals that they have when going to bed, because obviously they want to not go to bed at first and just vie for time in some way. And so these have kind of been spawned out of that. It's become, mm. quite a sort of, okay, well, we'll do the garden together. We'll sweep it up. We'll take the leaves. We'll water it. There, everything's set. And it calms them down enough to then, sort of, okay, that's, that's been done. And we go off to bed. I admire the fact that you appreciate it enough at the moment, rather than think, oh, for goodness sake, why won't you just go to bed? Which oh. almost every parent in your situation with, uh, sorry, how old are your children? Our youngest is six and mm. our eldest is eight. Right. So, so absolutely, they'd love the idea of pretend, adventure, making things up and can do it for hours. Mm. So particularly, you're, you're not an unbusy man. True. So coming home from filming all day, and then finding that you need to play a game for 45 minutes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, these are the ones I can kind of get behind. The last one is just weird. And I have literally no idea. Maybe you can shed some light. I have no (laughs) idea how this has even become a thing. Yet, if the other two aren't done, Mm. this one is an absolute firm favourite. And it's called Funny Phone Calls. You go, "Hmm, okay, all right, we'll, we'll go with this. And they have these little, um, like, wooden old-school telephones that you kind of lift off and you kind of mm-hmm. dial a number. And there's like, little wooden coins that you put in the top of the phone and you make a, make a phone call. So to make a funny phone call, they will um, pick up the phone. So, you know, Daddy, go on your, go on your phone. So I have to get my phone and I, or a brush <laughs> or something to pretend. Yes. And they'll say, uh, hello, is this Daddy? And I'll say, yes, who's this? And they go, oh, hi, this is mummy. And I go, oh, hi, mummy. I thought you were, you were downstairs. What are you doing? Oh, you know, I've just gone out. What do you mean you've just gone out? Well, I've just decided that I'm um, going go to go, go for a walk and see some friends. Well, why would you do that? This is not the real mummy. And you're going, <laughs> oh, okay. And then she'll put the phone down and then she'll pick it up again and go ring, 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 ring. And you'll answer it. And I'll say, hello. And she'll say, hello, this is grandma. I go, oh, hi, hi, grandma. And the same thing will then play on hi grandma how are you fine uh, i hear mummy's just gone out oh yes that's right um i uh, i'm going to go and see her now well, why are you going to do that this is not the real grandma <laughs> and, she'll, and it will continue for every member of the family all the way through 
And then the last phone call, pick it up, ring, ring. And I'll say, hello, who's this? And she'll say, hello, this is Luna. And I'm like, all oh, right. And Luna is uh, like a witch who has just decided to call. Oh, hi. Have, and she'll say, have a lot of fake mummies and daddies phoned you? Yes, yes, they have. I have no idea why. Well, um, I can give you a spell that will put them all back to normal again and also put me to bed. And you'll go, oh, okay, well, what's that? And she will then make up a spell Mm. that you'll then have to recite after she's put the phone down and then close your eyes and then you'll open your eyes and... Everything's back to normal. All tucked up in bed and back to normal again. And she will then do the classic kid thing of going, what's happened, Daddy? Why are you looking so surprised? I go, well, you had the strangest thing happened. Oh, I see. Well, it's bedtime now. Like that, it's the strangest. I do not know how this game originated or even was spawned in their head. But yeah, yeah funny phone calls. So they would be the ones I would like to keep. And in years to come, go, I have still no idea what on earth any of that meant. It's brilliant. Isn't it extraordinary? Isn't it? It's such a strange game. And that whole idea of playing with reality. Mm. of no 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 this is and pretending to be every different member of the family and then saying no 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 i'm not the real one oh i love it and i love the fact that these things linger for so long that they don't get bored with them that actually this is such a, a comforting and enjoyable thing for them to do particularly being in charge like that yeah. in control of the whole thing yeah. you know i for years played a game now i've got a friend whose son is now in his 20s and at university but even still, to this day, if I see him, he will occasionally just look at me with a little half smile on his face and say, what do you have for breakfast this morning, Mike? And it, I just laugh now. Because when he was a small child, we would for hours play, what did you have for breakfast? And I would say, uh, well, I'd lovely, I had a bit of toast. Um, uh, a bit of toast, I'd eat, mm. Lovely. Mm. And I thought, oh, I'll put some butter on it. That's better. We'll put a bit of butter on it. Mm-mm-mm. Lovely. That, yeah. And oh, jam. I'm an idiot. So I put a bit of jam on the toast. Mm. Lovely. And then I took a bit of uh, cat poo and I put that on the thing. And it, oh, 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 no. And he used to laugh. And so I had to think of the most, for hours and hours in the back of the car once, I remember, trying to think of disgusting things that you could put on food. Oh. And every time he would have hysterics. So for years we played this game. Every time he saw me, he would say, hello, Mike, what do you have for breakfast? <laughs> I think it's, it's brilliant because it's, it, it's got a similar reaction with the funny phone calls. Is the more outraged and confused and kind of almost that comical, angry, I don't understand what's going on, the funnier it is. The more yeah. enjoyment is I'm, I've tricked you. I'm fooling you. I've foxed you with my, with my cunning. <laughs> and, and I will continue to do it. And then I will then tie it all up and, and you know, it'd be fine again. Yeah. But there is something so, yeah, so joyous in seeing confusion. And I think it's like the birth of comedy, isn't it? It's that kind of confusion and that how anger can be funny in certain respects. And it's, you know, we can sort it all out. Don't worry but with a little twist at the end. It's brilliant. And having all that control over it, knowing when it's coming, when you're going to do the reveal, as it were. Yeah. I'm not the real mummy. Yeah. I, I love that idea of her coming in there and just playing with you until she can see that you're confused. This is not how you'd normally behave. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And the moment that you show that side of things, she'll do the reveal. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. She'll do the reveal. And then boom, straight on to the next one. Not even yeah. anything like that. Ring, ring. Oh, what? What's, what's this? Boom, straight on. No edit. No, brilliant. Straight through. Yeah, yeah, we've edited out all the, all, all the guff. Straight yeah. through to the good stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, um, okay, we shall put your children's bedtime games into the time capsule. Amazing. How wonderful. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, so we've got one more to go, Tim. Oh, now this. This, I'll be glad to see the back of, I can, I can tell you. It's, it's a memory. It's a memory of a, of, of a thing. Thankfully, I don't think they make this particular thing anymore. And I'm very happy about that. Very, very happy indeed. Mm -hmm. And it's the egg mayonnaise sandwiches that they made circa mid-80s, 86 to 88, when there was no regard for any form of recycling. So they would arrive in an almost solid plastic trough crenulated, that kind of corrugated sides to it, and then kind of almost hermetically sealed. And then when you put an egg sandwich into said environment for some time, they expand a bit 
they, they like to breathe a little bit. And then when you take that sandwich and you put it in a bag and you decide to go on a day trip with your parents as a kid on a summer's day, then things start to turn and they start to turn quickly. And I just have this abiding memory of just sitting in the back with my sisters and we're driving for some sort of day trip somewhere, height of summer. And my mother opening up these egg mayonnaise sandwiches and just the car being just invaded with the like smell of hell itself, that kind of sulfurous, <laughs> warm egg mm. that is just like, oh. And even now, like you can you can feel it in your nostrils that just what it why would you even want to eat that? And she would never heed our our cries. She would go, mm. oh, well, I'll, I'll, not even open a window, Mike, not even open a window. Just, <laughs> no, do I can't smell it. If I can't smell it, it's not happening. It's, it's absolutely fine. It's delicious. It's very, very nice. Do you want some? No, I don't want any. Why would I want any? And it put me off egg for years, like, year, like, like years and years and years. I wouldn't even go anywhere near it for fear of these things. So it's that memory of all of those day trips, which should have been a wonderful thing. And they were. But during that journey of just knowing this thing was coming, you, you knew it was coming. It was coming it was, it was <laughs> sooner or later, but it was going to come and they were going to be warm. And it, oh, God, that's what oh. I would desperately want. Of course, the irony with all of these things is they're probably so well packaged is you could bury this thing. There's no way that this is going anywhere. And you could pull that out of the ground a thousand years from now, along with the old McDonald's apple pies that you could, it would still be hot, still be hot, and you could drag it out of the ground and you could eat it and it'd be absolutely fine. Uh, yes. Oh. I'm completely with you on this. Good. Oh, my word. You've just brought back horrible memories for me. My mother used to make egg sandwiches when we went to the beach. That's a bad mistake, isn't it? See, why? Why when it's hot? It's an That's egg. crazy. Why Not only it's that, hot? it's hot and it's sandy. Yeah. So you're eating crunchy Egg sandwiches. Oh. Horrible. Oh. <laughs> My wife always picks egg sandwiches. If we go into a shop, oh, egg sandwich, I'll have that. I just, oh, it would make me chuck up. Absolutely. I will walk to the other side of a room if I, mm. if anyone even brings even brings the subject up. <laughs> just, just the worst thing. And there's, you know, there's no texture to an egg sandwich. It's just soft. There's nothing no. in there to go, oh, a little bit of crunch or a little bit of something in there. It, it's just mulch essentially that's yes. all it is just smell and mulch and that is it you can dress it up oh yeah it's got a bit of cress in there no one cares <sighs> no one cares you're just adding softer things to softer things it's mm. honestly and actually it now reminds me of something that i do understand that i'm not proud of and i'd like to quite get rid of it which is that uh, i went on a cruise when I was a schoolboy, it was something that had been a troop ship, so it was not a great luxury thing. We went on this cruise, and on this trip, a bunch of sea cadets arrived on the night we were about to go, and they were piped aboard, and they marched on, and they all saluted, and then they all went off to their cabins. And one of these poor boys, the moment we left port, was seasick, and then he just didn't recover. So for the whole two weeks on this boat... This lad was ill oh. and we we constantly used to go at breakfast and we would get a fried egg sandwich and take it up and shove it in his face. Say, so, you want a sandwich? And he goes, no, no, thanks, mate. Oh. It's cruel. Oh. Nasty thing to do. Awful, awful. If you, you just reminded me of something as well. Is where, we, where we grew up in our little village, there was two shops. There was one at one end of the village and one at the other. One was more a sort of post office, newspapers, things, things like that. Mm-hmm. And the other one was a bit more, a bit more food, dry goods, things like that. But I remember as well that they would have sandwiches on a shelf, not in packets, just kind of greaseproof paper in between. So someone would have made them, yeah, and then just laid them on a shelf. So like, well, this is cheese, this is ham, non-refrigerated, you know, with you know, <laughs> early eighties, just sandwiches on a shelf, and you would come in and you just kind of lift off, and you'd get, and then they'd wrap it in brown paper, and on you go. And I was, I, there's the thought of those being egg. And I'm sure, I am sure that would have happened. And the general sort of slow drip from a top egg sandwich all the way down the shelf. It, <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. If I'm going to hell, that will be the room I'm put in. Just yes. as a, 
just as an icebreaker, just to kind of get you ready for what's ahead. Eternally hungry, but yep. with only egg sandwiches to eat. Oh, that would be. <laughs> oh, that would just be the worst thing. I would rather. I would rather be shivering in a corner than, than go anywhere near that. Red hot pokers, yes, please. Give me the red hot pokers. I'm very happy with them. I'm very happy with with the way this was going before. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Well, then I shall spare you that hell by taking egg sandwiches, particularly those ones in those crinolated packages, and I shall put them into the time capsule and bury them deep in the ground. Oh, good. Good. I want them down there along with, you know, fusion rods. I don't want to ever see those things again. Although the moment somebody does open it up and discover wonderful myths and a beautiful print and wonderful children's games, just in the background, what is that smell? Oh. (laughs) <laughs> this is it. It won't be complete. That idea of mid-80s day trips would <laughs> never be complete without that little smell of sulphur. Has hell arrived, dear? Is that, is that what I can smell? Because it, it smells like hate. It smells like hate. Oh, I'm going to go and wash my mouth out after this. Oh. <laughs> oh, thanks, Tim. Thanks for doing this. It's really brilliant. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And I am absolutely going to look this thing up. I have no idea. The Guinness branded, you know, I I don't drink Guinness. I have no comprehension. No? You were eight quid. (laughs) You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my wonderful guest, Tim Downey. Thank you for listening. If you're interested, Tim did actually look up his Guinness harmonica on eBay, and astonishingly, it was actually worth a small fortune. Yeah, so small it could be counted in pennies. So it's gone back on the back seat of his car for his daughter's entertainment and his annoyance. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. We have over 200 others available if you're new to this podcast, so feel free to subscribe and delve into our sordid past and hopefully our glorious future. You can find out what we're up to if you follow me and my time capsule on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We're happy to chat on there and you can listen to the Pass the Peas composed theme tune on Spotify anytime you like. This cast-off production for Acast was skillfully produced and edited by John Fenton Stevens. I just did the chatting. See you soon, I hope, and we're very sociable, so do feel free to bring a friend. Right, I'm off to do some painting. Yeah, my neighbour asked me if I wanted to paint her in the nude. (laughs) So, you know, well, wish me luck. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to keep my socks on. Well, where else am I going to stick my brushes? Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.